evening. Our top story tonight, the MVP race is officially on. We've got some contenders. We've got some pretenders. We've also got injury updates around the NFL after the worst weekend of injuries that we have seen, at least in 2023. It was brutal. It was devastating. Justin Jefferson, James Conner, Kevon A-Chain, Anthony Richardson, and the like all out. Also going to talk about Broncos versus Chiefs and more on player profiler today. We are going to start with those Denver Broncos versus those Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs favored by 10 and a half points. A 47 point over under means Vegas expects the Kansas City Chiefs to win roughly 29 to 18. Pretty good. Pretty big win for the Kansas City Chiefs. That is over four touchdowns worth of points. Denver Broncos, that is basically two touchdowns in change. And if that happens, if the Denver Broncos are blown out by 10 points, it just speeds up the clock on the Denver Broncos trading their players. The Denver Broncos reportedly are ready for a teardown. A teardown is coming per James Palmer from NFL Network. Talking about players like Jerry Judy, players like Cortland Sutton, players like Frank Clark, who have already been in trade talks. Now, the Broncos won't pull the trigger yet. They are hoping to pull themselves out of this tailspin, this spiral that they are under. But it looks like after another loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Broncos will be one step closer to selling at the trade deadline, potentially a little bit sooner. This is a bad team. This is a bad football team. And the last time the Denver Broncos actually won in Kansas City, Peyton Manning was the quarterback against Alex Smith. Patrick Mahomes owns the Denver Broncos. This is going to be a loss. Even if the Broncos cover the 10-point spread, even if that happens, it's still going to be a loss. The Broncos are not in the same class as the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs have been disappointing this year. I get it, but this is a complete team. The defense is arguably, almost definitely, the best that Patrick Mahomes has had throughout his career. Just because the passing game isn't there, the high-flying, explosive passing game, at least, this is still a pretty damn good offense, pretty damn good passing game under Patrick Mahomes. It's just a different team. And it's a team that will beat the Denver Broncos, send them one more loss and one step closer to completely selling. We'll see who survives. Obviously, Russell Wilson, no team is trading for his contract right now. Will Russell Wilson be cut after the season? He's been playing pretty good, all things considered. We'll talk more about Russell Wilson later. But rest of the Denver Broncos, Javante Williams has been taken off the injury report. He has been cleared, though we do expect a limited performance from Javante Williams. We don't expect Javante to be full go. This is coming from our guy, Deepak Chona, who works for Player Profiler. He is our top injury analyst, breaking all things down. So Javante Williams off the injury report, but we're not out of the woods yet. Depending on your situation, maybe you play him, maybe you don't. We also have Jaleel McLaughlin, who offers a little bit of electricity, so expect to see a little bit of him as well. This is still this is going to be a committee for the Denver Broncos, a three-headed committee with Javante Williams back in the fold. And Greg Dolchich. Greg Dolchich might be coming off injured reserve. He is officially questionable 
looks like he might make his return, though we'll have to wait and see what his role in this offense is. He's worth a speculative ad, absolutely, or maybe you already have him on your injured reserve, but there is no way you are starting Greg Dolchich. You are not starting a Denver Broncos pass catcher this week. Marvin Mims fumbled last week, so I'm... Poor Marvin Mims is probably not going to play a snap this week. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, just don't trust any of these guys here for the Denver Broncos. As for the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, he is limited Tuesday and Wednesday after not practicing on Monday. He is officially questionable. I imagine that Travis Kelsey does play, probably not a full complement of snaps, probably third downs and some other plays that will have dialed up for Travis Kelsey, but not expecting a full game, though I am expecting him to play with his low ankle sprain. But Travis Kelsey, so far this season, career low 8.2 yards per reception, career low 6.0 yards per target, career low 4.7 average depth of target. Now, he has suffered two injuries already. He has the bruised knee. He has the ankle injury. So I don't want to say Travis Kelsey is old. I don't want to say that yet. I don't want to say that Travis Kelsey is on his way over the edge. He's been injured. He can get healthy, but just wanted to bring that up. It's a little bit scary to think about that Travis Kelsey may not be his full self. Before we get to more from the Kansas City Chiefs and the rest of the NFL, got a word from the pod father. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users. What do you want? What do you need? And we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report, And if you want to create a new report, but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data. Show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just is much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the Fantasy Tools section, click on Data Analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data-analysis. Rounding things out for the Kansas City Chiefs, Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice, get him while you still can. Probably not available in any of your leagues if you listen to Player Profiler because we have been hyping him up for weeks now, but Rashi Rice, once again, near the top of the charts in the wide receiver targets. Now, for the first time in three weeks, over the past two weeks, Rashi Rice led the team in targets, 
this week he finishes second in targets, at least among the wide receivers. Travis Kelsey leads in targets every single week. Barashi Rice looking like the wide receiver too that Patrick Mahomes wants. Now he scored a touchdown, which probably means more people added Rashi Rice, but thankfully only goes for 30 yards and he's fifth in routes run for the Kansas City Chiefs last week. It doesn't make sense why Rashi Rice doesn't play more. He is better than Sky Moore. He is better than MVS. He is better than Kadarius Tony. He is better than Justin Watson. So Rashi Rice, add him because at some point the talent will transcend and it is clear. 10 routes for Rashi Rice, five targets. Patrick Mahomes loves the guy. He is going to start playing more and more. Chiefs also get back Nick Bolton, their linebacker this week. Now looking at the injury report, it is obviously a doozy. Devon A-Chain, it is official. He will miss the next four weeks on injured reserve with a knee injury. We were hopeful that it would be two, three games missed, officially four games minimum for Devon A-Chain. He will not play against the Carolina Panthers this weekend, won't play in Philadelphia, won't play against the New England Patriots in Miami, and will not play against the Kansas City Chiefs, which is in Portugal, Spain, Germany, maybe Spain. I think it's Spain. But either way, he's out four games, then he returns during the bye week. So an extra week to heal up for Devon Achan. He'll be okay, and he will be a league winner in the playoffs. But for now, expect a heavy dose of Raheem Mostert. Expect to see some Jeff Wilson. His 21-day practice window has started officially, and it wasn't anything too serious with Jeff Wilson. I think it was an oblique and a finger injury for Jeff Wilson, but the problem the Dolphins found is, okay, this side, he's hurt on his oblique, and this side, he's hurt on his hand, and so he can't really protect himself at all, so let's just shut him down. Jeff Wilson is back, looks good in practice, so expect to see a healthy dose of Jeff Wilson over the coming weeks without Devon HN. It'll be a hot hand situation. Expect this week to be lots of Raheem Mostert. Next week, it'll be a coin flip, whether it's Jeff Wilson, whether it's Mostert. It'll be someone. Anthony Richardson also officially placed on injured reserve, though we knew this was coming. We knew he was going to miss four games minimum. More likely, he misses four to eight games and could miss more if he does require surgery. But the hope is that four to eight week window that he misses. Gardner Minshew is going to start at least at Jacksonville this weekend versus the Cleveland Browns versus the New Orleans Saints and in Carolina. Those are the four starts that Gardner Minshew is guaranteed. I would probably imagine Anthony Richardson misses a little bit longer than that. We'll see Gardner Minshew against a good matchup against the Jaguars. You're not playing him against the Cleveland Browns. The Saints, we'll see how their defense fares over the next couple of weeks. Then Gardner Minshew could be a very startable quarterback against the Carolina Panthers in a couple of weeks. They signed Kellen Mond to the practice squad to back up Sam Ellinger, who is now QB2 for the Indianapolis Colts. And as for Jonathan Taylor, they are ramping him up in practice this week. The workload is increasing, so expect to see more Jonathan Taylor, less Zach Moss, though. Not expecting him to run away with it just yet. I still think we're going to see another game or two of Jonathan Taylor at 50-ish percent snap rate before he fully takes over down the stretch. Speaking of the Cleveland Browns, who the Indianapolis Colts will face with Gardner Minshew. I wonder if they'll have Deshaun Watson or not. At this point, it's up in the air. Because Deshaun Watson, with his bruised rotator cuff, as they're calling it in his throwing shoulder, no practice. Once again, coming off the bye week, Deshaun Watson got to rest it all last week, didn't have to throw. Comes back, and not practicing once again, Deshaun Watson. 
might not play once again this week weekend for the Cleveland Browns. It won't be Dorian Thompson Robinson. Instead, it will be PJ Walker at the starting quarterback. Keep an eye on that. If Deshaun Watson practices Thursday or Friday, we're a little bit less worried. But for now, pretty worried about Deshaun Watson. Pretty panicky on Deshaun Watson. And what a blunder by the Cleveland Browns signing Deshaun Watson, trading for Deshaun Watson. All of it. Speaking of quarterback injuries, Daniel Jones. Now, initially, sounded like good news for Daniel Jones. Comments suggest that it was a clean MRI, that he could play this weekend. Then today, Daniel Jones does not practice. He's sore. He is officially day-to-day. And you know what that means. If he's day-to-day, he's week-to-week. Daniel Jones, probably not playing this week. We'll see you next week. And Darren Waller also gets the day-to-day tag as well, but he comes out and says he plans to play. He's got a groin injury that he's dealing with. Doesn't practice today, but we have seen Darren Waller deal with injuries, mispractice throughout this season, and then return. And it can't get worse for Darren Waller, right? I mean, he finally had an okay game for the New York Giants. If Daniel Jones isn't playing, then yeah, you're probably benching Darren Waller, but otherwise... What better options do you have unless Luke Musgrave is available, but the waiver wire is pretty bare. The tight end situation in the NFL is just pretty bare in general. Rest of the New York Giants, no practice for Wandale Robinson. We'll keep an eye on if it is a maintenance day for his knee, or if he doesn't practice tomorrow, then we'll officially be worried. No Andrew Thomas, no John Michael Schmidt, so two offensive linemen for the Giants still not practicing. And Saquon Barkley, he's at practice, expected to do more. I guess he technically did a little bit more, but... Still heavily taped ankle, still very limited. I wouldn't be shocked if Saquon Barkley sits out this weekend. We'll see how he practices over the next couple days, but maybe given the state of the New York Giants, you just sit Saquon Barkley for one more week. Let him get fully healthy. But we'll see. We'll see if he ends up returning or not. As for the New Orleans Saints, it looks like Derek Carr is good to go. He is fully healthy. He is practicing in full at the very least. Obviously, Derek Carr, not going to be fully healthy. Probably for the rest of the year, the shoulder will bother him. But the fact that he can practice in full right now, big step forward. Whereas Chris Olave, Chris Olave is limited. He's got that toe injury that he injured in pregame. We'll keep an eye on that. But while it did limit him, did still catch a touchdown pass. So we'll keep an eye on Chris Olave and his practice status throughout the week. Sounds like Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be good to go. We talked about it yesterday. He is more than probable. Now he comes back and practices today, and obviously it's a limited practice, but it sounds like it's a muscle strain and not a sports hernia. Sounds like Amon Ross St. Brown going to be okay. Might not be 100%. Might see a little bit of a dip in performance from Deepak Choma, our injury analyst at Player Profiler, who we absolutely love and adore. But... We will keep an eye on Amon Ross St. Brown. It looks like he is going to be good to go. Not sure about the rest of the Detroit Lions, though. Brian Branch does not practice. He is still officially day-to-day, as is Jameer Gibbs, who also doesn't practice for the Detroit Lions. No Jameer Gibbs. And the running back coach for the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, they seem to have different descriptions of Jameer Gibbs. Dan Campbell calls him a change of pace back, says he's not surprised by what we've seen from David Montgomery because that's what they drafted Dave Montgomery for. But then the running back coach comes out and says that it's good that they are managing Gibbs' expectations so far, because in a couple weeks, they're going to have to manage the hype. And as we all knew, this is what you drafted Jameer Gibbs for. You didn't draft him for early in the season. You drafted him for the late season explosions as he 
gets comfortable with his role, as we saw with Alvin Kamara in his rookie season. Jameer Gibbs has outperformed Alvin Kamara so far this season. So I know everyone's freaking out about the change of pace label that Dan Campbell seemingly has given uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Wouldn't worry about it. He's on track. He is on the Alvin Kamara track from his rookie season. It is going to be fine. Other wide receivers that the Detroit Lions actually might be looking into, Devontae Adams, who the Raiders say they're not going to trade. We'll see in a couple weeks. Doesn't practice with a shoulder injury, though he did play this past weekend. Seems like it's more of a pain tolerance issue. Issue Seems like it's going to be a pain management and a load management thing. If Devontae Adams doesn't practice all week, I'll be worried. But if he gets into even a questionable or a limited practice on Friday, I expect him to go. Not sure about Mike Evans, though. He has a hamstring injury two weeks ago. Obviously, they had the bye last week, so he's not practicing. But Mike Evans doesn't practice today. This says they'll know more on Friday once they start getting him running around a little bit more. But starting to look like Mike Evans may end up missing this matchup for the Detroit Lions, whereas T. Higgins looks like he might return for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's limited with a rib injury. He broke his ribs. We'll see if he ends up playing. Either way, if T. Higgins does play, still going to be in a lot of pain. Still, at any point, could leave the game because of a big hit because of the pain that he is in. So keep an eye on T. Higgins' practice status throughout the week. Same with Miles Sanders, too. He doesn't practice today. He now picks up a shoulder injury. He can deal with a groin injury. It's only a matter of time before Miles Sanders misses a game. They sit him down, protect himself, let him get healthy, and Chuba Hebbard is a bell cow for at least one game. And speaking of potential bell cows, Roshan Johnson. Bad news for Roshan Johnson. We were hopeful that given the fact that it was a Thursday to Sunday recovery, that Roshan Johnson would play. And today he does not practice. He is still in concussion protocol. Though, if he does get a limited practice in tomorrow, I am officially no longer worried because that would mean he gets a full practice in on Friday and he is cleared on Saturday. But if no practice for Roshan Johnson tomorrow, I will officially expect him to miss, which would be very disappointing. And which would mean Dante Foreman is going to get fed. Tank Dell also doesn't practice today with his concussion. He got his concussion on Sunday. And so we don't expect to see him this week. Dalton Kincaid, though, he's a little bit of a wild card. Dalton Kincaid is limited in practice coming off the concussion that he suffered on Sunday for the Buffalo Bills. A limited practice on Wednesday means he could practice in full tomorrow, which would mean he's cleared on Friday. Dalton Kincaid actually showing a chance to play less likely for Roshan Johnson and Tank Dell. We'll keep an eye on Roshan. There's a chance he gets a limited session in tomorrow, but if not, going to be without Roshan. Going to be all about Dante Foreman for the Chicago Bears. Signed Darrington Evans as well, but he's still learning this new playbook, even though he spent time with the Chicago Bears a while back. Austin Eckler also expected to return. He gets the extra week, so we expect Austin Eckler to be a little bit better off than we see from Saquon Barkley. Moving into the news and talking about these running backs and the injuries across the NFL, no James Conner for the Arizona Cardinals. And suddenly everyone is up in arms because the Arizona Cardinals put out their team depth chart. And who's listed as the RB1? It's not Amari D. Mercado, who balled out last week, 57 yards and a touchdown on 11 touches. No, instead, the team PR firm or team PR people, whatever, whoever makes the death charts, because it's not the coaches, but Keontae Ingram is listed as the starter. Amari DiMercato listed as the backup. And I just don't believe this. I just don't care. I do think it's going to be a committee. I do think Keontae Ingram 
is going to see run, but Amari Di Mercado's just better than Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram, so far through his career, 1.92 yards per carry. His best game, as we talked about yesterday, 41 yards on 12 touches, though 18 yards on 10 carries. Hasn't been efficient in the NFL. And in just this one limited sample size we saw from Amari Di Mercado, did more than we ever saw from Amar- from Keontae Ingram last year. So I expect this to be a committee. I expect Amari Di Mercado to be 40 to 50% of the committee. I expect 20 to 30% of the committee to be from Keontae Ingram. And then we'll see some Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is going to be playing on third downs for the Arizona Cardinals in the backfield. We've seen it a surprising amount, and we're going to see more of it. Rondale Moore, running back, wide receiver, Debo Samuel, Percy Harvin, whatever you want to call him, he's going to be stealing some touches. So absolutely, Amari Di Mercado was worth adding. If you got him, you should be happy. We'll talk about who you're starting, whether it's Amari Di Mercado or someone else based on your lineup. That is completely dependent. But Keontae Ingram's worth an ad. Just don't expect anything and be ready to cut bait if and when he doesn't perform. Rondell Moore, on the other hand, his stock goes up. Could have a big game. Could have a couple big games without James Conner. Speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, Michael Wilson gets an apology from Josh Dobbs saying that he needs to target him more. needs to target him sooner. Says it is unacceptable to have his first target come in the fourth quarter. So more Michael Wilson. If someone dropped Michael Wilson in your league after his big blow-up performance and people went out and got him off waivers, then he gets dropped after a down game. Make sure you go and pick up Michael Wilson because he is absolutely still a thing. And we've got news from the New England Patriots. Robert Kraft has reportedly grown frustrated, if not downright angry. And we've been talking about this for months now, that Robert Kraft is disappointed with all the losing that the New England Patriots have done as of late. The fact that they haven't won a playoff game since before Tom Brady left. Tom Brady lost in the playoffs in the first round in his first season, or his last season, sorry with the New England Patriots. So Robert Kraft is unsettled with the job Bill Belichick is doing. And obviously they're not going to fire Bill Belichick during the season. And Mac Jones isn't going to be fired from the starting quarterback position just yet. He's going to start week six against the Raiders. But when Bill Belichick loses to Josh McDaniels, the hot seat is going to get hotter. Ramondre Stevenson, by the way, has been awful so far this season. Two of the last three games, he's been outscored by Ezekiel Elliott. Was the RB13 in week one, RB17 in week two, and then falls to RB32. RB41 and RB51. It's getting worse by the week for Ramondre Stevenson. But surely it has to rebound at some point, right? Ramondre Stevenson is too talented to sit behind Zeke or be outproduced by Zeke that often. It's got to come together at some point for Ramondre Stevenson. Don't know if it'll come together for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins asked if he will waive his no-trade clause because a no-trade clause, all that means is a player has to approve a trade. They can veto any trade they don't want to go under. So Kirk Cousins, no-trade clause. Will he waive the no-trade clause? Well, he doesn't give us an answer, obviously. He's a professional quarterback. He's not answering that question. He says he's focused on the Chicago Bears. And... Jordan Addison is also focused on the Chicago Bears. He is limited with an ankle injury, but don't be concerned. We hear Kevin O'Connell talking after practice that they are going to hit the gas with Jordan Addison this weekend. No pun intended. Jordan Addison 
Like I said yesterday, he is the new target leader for the Minnesota Vikings. He is the wide receiver one. Then it's TJ Hawkinson. Then it's still KJ Osborne sitting in that number three chair. And speaking of Kirk Cousins, is Kirk Cousins in this MVP race? I was sifting through the numbers, looking at some of the players around the NFL. And obviously it's going to be a quarterback that wins MVP. That is just how it's going to go. And so I started looking at some of the stats that reflect quarterbacks and how good they have played, how accurate they are, how much the offense is moving in the passing game. Sampled the PFF grade, looked at the true passer rating, total QBR. And so I put all of this together and I found some great things, some surprising things. So I looked at clean pocket completion percentage. What are these quarterbacks doing when there is no pressure? When the offensive line is working, are they completing passes? The top five in clean pocket completion percentage, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, and Lamar Jackson. Great. All great quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence has been plagued by a lot of drops from his pass catchers. So has Lamar Jackson. So it's surprising to see them that high. But when all is good, these quarterbacks are completing a lot of passes. Then I go to yards per attempt. C.J. Stroud, top five quarterback in yards per attempt, 7.9. We also see Jared Goff at 8.0, tied with Josh Allen. Josh Allen, obviously, remember, was top five in clean pocket completion percentage, as is Brock Purdy. But Josh Allen, tied with Jared Goff, 8.0 yards per attempt. Brock Purdy, 9.35 yards per attempt. And then Tua Tagovailoa leads the entire NFL with over 9.7 yards per attempt. So that's... Two categories, we've already seen Josh Allen and Brock Purdy. Now we go to PFF grade. And Trevor Lawrence makes his second appearance on the list. Patrick Mahomes makes his first appearance in the top five. Josh Allen, third in PFF grade among quarterbacks, and his third appearance on this list. Josh Allen, looking like a severe MVP candidate. Lamar Jackson makes his second appearance. He's the second highest graded quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus. And Jared Goff the number one graded QB so far, making his second appearance on this list. So we go to true passer rating. What happens when there are no drops? What happens when things are clean around them? And we see Jared Goff for the third time. Jared Goff establishing himself as an MVP candidate the way this Detroit Lions offense has been humming, just like Brock Purdy. Jared Goff and Brock Purdy, game manager type quarterbacks, that's the label they get. Obviously, they're a little bit more than that. They're a little bit better than a game manager, but they avoid mistakes. They distribute the ball, and that's probably a better way to define Jared Goff and Brock Purdy as distributors, as point guards, but third appearance for both of them in the top five of these categories. Kirk Cousins makes his second appearance in true pass rating. He is third to a tug of Aloha makes his second appearance in true passer rating. And then surprisingly, somehow, I don't understand it, Russell Wilson leads all quarterbacks in true passer rating. Now, Russell Wilson, obviously not an MVP candidate. This is his only appearance in any of these categories in the top five, and somehow he leads true passer rating. I don't really understand it, but Russell Wilson hasn't been as bad as we think. Then looking at total QBR, Josh Dobbs throws his hat in the ring, but obviously Josh Dobbs not an MVP caliber quarterback. He's not winning MVP with the Cardinals, but he's impressed pretty good. Dak Prescott, also top five in total QBR, which surprised me given Dak Prescott hasn't been particularly great this year, but he's better than people give him credit for. 
even with the interceptions. Dak Prescott, underrated quarterback because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. He gets too much hate. And then we see Josh Allen. Josh Allen makes his fourth appearance in these categories. Josh Allen is pretty much top five in everything. As is Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy leads all quarterbacks in total quarterback rating. 97.2. This is his fourth appearance on this little list that we are looking at. Also, Baker Mayfield. Shout out Baker Mayfield. Second in total QBR. Not an MVP candidate, though. And then we look at passing EPA. And most often, total EPA will correlate with the winner of the MVP. It doesn't always happen, but it pretty much always happens over the past couple years. Though, quarterback is a narrative-driven award. So there will be narratives behind the EPA. And there's still so many weeks. There are so many chances for bad games. So many chances for blow-up games. So many chances for these quarterbacks to make something happen. But looking at passing EPA, expected points added, Dak Prescott in the top five, his second appearance on this list. We also get Josh Allen, top five at 48.1. But then there is a big jump from Josh Allen to the number three quarterback in passing EPA, and that is C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud only appears top five in any of these categories twice, but passing EPA as well as yards per attempt, C.J. Stroud having Good rookie season. C.J. Stroud is obviously the favorite to be offensive rookie of the year at this point. Sorry, B. John Robinson. Sorry, Anthony Richardson, but you're hurt. It's C.J. Stroud, the way he's played so far. And then number two in passing EPA, that is once again Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, top five across the board. Brock Purdy is top five in pretty much everything. And then the number one quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. And Tua Tagovailoa, there is a big drop. From Tua down to Brock down to CJ Stroud. Tua, Tua Tagovailoa, 76.5 EPA right now. Brock Purdy, 69.8. So a, basically a five and a half point difference between Tua Tagovailoa and Brock Purdy. Then it's a 10 point difference. Brock Purdy has added 10 more points than CJ Stroud. And then CJ Stroud has added basically 11 more points than Josh Allen. So when you look at all of this, all of these categories, out of the total six categories that we looked at, the clean pocket completion percentage, the yards per attempt, the PFF grade, the true passer rating, the total QBR, and the passing EPA. Well, we see CJ Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins, and Lamar Jackson. They all appear twice. They are in the running to be MVP. We see Jared Goff and Tua Tagovailoa appear there three times. Jared Goff leading all quarterbacks in QB grade from PFF. Jared Goff and Tua Tagovailoa, they are firmly in the mix at the top of several categories. But Josh Allen and Brock Purdy, they are top five in five of the six categories that we've gone through that give us a window into who's going to win MVP, who the best quarterbacks, who the top performing quarterbacks are. And it's Josh Allen and Brock Purdy appearing top five in pretty much everything. The only time that Brock Purdy and Josh Allen don't qualify for Josh Allen is not in true passer rating, but he makes up for it with his legs. And Brock Purdy is not top five in PFF grade, though he is top seven or eight, I believe. And then when you look inside those top fives, Brock Purdy beats Josh Allen in everything except for the PFF grade. Brock Purdy is better from a clean pocket. He completes more of his passes. 
Brock Purdy is averaging more yards per attempt. And granted, he has better weapons. They're doing more after the catch. Doesn't matter. Still leading and yards per attempt. Brock Purdy has a better true passer rating than Josh Allen. Brock Purdy has more total QBR than Josh Allen. And Brock Purdy is beating Josh Allen in passing EPA. I know people don't want to hear this, but Brock Purdy is an MVP caliber quarterback. 